and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, so excited to be here with you this week for another episode. And this week's guest is amazing. Her name is Zipporah Krupnik, and she is a psychic, intuitive healer, and spiritual teacher. Clairvoyance is a word she started using recently, and she has so much wisdom to share about how she came online with her gifts, what brought her to this work, and how she's done hands-on healing right here in Berkeley. She now lives in France. She also used to do home clearings, which I that is kind of my inroad to my spiritual practice is home clearing my energy in my home. We talk about shadow work and why she does what she does for her clients. So she really does. We talk a lot about anxiety in this episode and what we define what anxiety is. And she really talks about how meditating (laughs) can help with anxiety and just getting you back in touch with your body. And for those of you that are like, ugh, meditation is a chore, she talks about how to approach it so gently and so just delicately that's not sitting and meditating for 30 minutes or two hours a day. And then we also like weave in the conversation things about her artist background and her teacher background. And we talk a lot about what it means to be a sensitive person and how to operate in this world as a sensitive person that's also connected to source. So I'm just glowing with this conversation. It's so good. I'm so excited for you to listen. And of course, before I get into the episode, I just want to do my weekly check-in. And this week, what I'm excited about is some actually some ancestral healing. So I've been doing a lot of ancestral healing through this work, through shadow work, inner child work, just so much um, going back and reviewing and getting in touch with both my maternal and paternal lines. It's come up in past life readings as well as Akashic Record readings. And it's, oh my God, it's, this work is so cool because codependence is like to me at the heart of it. And being able to heal codependency for myself, I'm seeing it just happen for everyone around me, especially those in my family. And I decided recently to redesign, actually I didn't do the design, but to refashion a hairpin that was passed down to me from my grandmother. And this is my grandmother on my my dad's side. And she is such an interesting person in, in my life, a figure in my life, because she had major, major addiction in her life. And she was addicted to heroin, and that later turned into opioids, over-the-counter painkillers. She was really controlling. She was super manipulative. But she was also extremely elegant. She really knew what she wanted and had no problem getting it, clearly. And she was a really powerful woman. She ran a television station in Salinas, which is where I grew up. For Christmas, I was doing research for a game that I was doing with my family. We did a trivia game. And all of these stories came out of like, oh, my grandmother was involved in like a presidential fundraising for, I think it was Reagan. And she was involved with like fundraising for female basketball, like National League. And she did all these things that like made change in her community. And it's interesting now as an adult of like going beyond just the like, oh, she had addiction issues 
and seeing like her hold the whole picture of Rowena Cohan. Cool name, by the way. So I have this hairpin from her and it's so beautiful and it's gorgeous and it's lovely. It's gold with diamonds, but it's like kind of a super 50s hairpin. And I was always worried about losing it when I wore it. And I only wore it like once every couple of years on like the off night I was going to like the symphony or something. It's just this lovely piece, but I I like was so sad that I wasn't wearing it. So I reached out to a jewelry maker in Austin, Texas. That was a friend of a friend. Her name is Jen Letty. And I asked her if she could disassemble the piece and make it into something new. And Jen just happened to have the like most gorgeous designs. I paid her for this. This is not um, a promotion for Jen, but she's amazing. So I'm happy to promote her. So I chose one of the designs. It's kind of this like modern, simple, elegant design ring with diamonds in it. And I just asked her if she could make it into that ring. And so during the whole process, she like held my hand and I kind of Like, I had some doubts in this entire process because I was like, what if it doesn't work? What if the gold isn't real? What if the diamonds aren't real? Like, what if this is just, like, costume jewelry? I had kind of no idea what would happen. And it all worked out. And I'm obsessed with the ring. I'm looking at it right now. I can't stop looking at it. It brings me so much joy. And it feels like a nice little treasure or, like, a nice little, like, gift to myself after doing so much of this ancestral work. And I am truly honored to have something on my body that reminds me of her, that brings in her energy and her gifts that she gave to me without having to judge her for who she was. So I feel really lucky and grateful that I got to do this. I have yet to tell my parents that I've done this. So I'm very curious to see what their reaction is going to (laughs) be. Change can be hard for some people. But it's also one of those things where I'm like, I'm so happy with it and I get to use it every day, which I would much prefer over something I only wore every couple of years. So this has been on my to-do list for over two years. And just to have it happen and have it so happen so perfectly feels so, so wonderful. So that's what's making me happy this week. I wanted to share that with all of you. And I wish you well in your ancestral healing because that's what we're all here to do, right? <laughs> all right. As far as announcements go, we had a wonderful mid-year goal-setting check-in last night. Oh my God. It was amazing. It was so fun. Thank you to everyone who attended. I, it was just so magical to see everyone check in with their goals from January. And it's like this funny thing. It's like time traveling, really, when you look at your goals, because you look back and you see who you were six months ago. I mean, so many times people in the workshop are like, I feel like a different person. Like, now than when I set those goals. So it was really, it was really fun to watch. And we did some really cool unblocking exercises and tools. And so if you are interested in doing that work, come find me. I offer coaching sessions. I'm happy to chat with you about your goals, what you want to manifest and how to unblock those. Because I really want you to achieve your goals in this life. Like there's nothing better than looking at your list and being like, yep, did that, did that, did that. Like what is next? It's my favorite thing. Absolute favorite thing. And if you're interested in keeping up with future events, hop onto my website, sign up for my email list, visit xo.sarahcohan, S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. 
Again, that's xo.sarahcohan.com. Sign up for my email list and I will send you updates on workshops that are coming up, coaching opportunities, and then podcast updates. So much fun. So much fun. All right. That's it for my updates. And without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. All right. Hello, Zipporah Krupnik. Thank you so much for being on Lit AF Podcast. I'm just so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Sarah, for having me on your show. Yeah, this has been like a long time in the making, and now we're here, so it's so exciting. So um, Zipporah is a psychic, intuitive healer, and spiritual teacher, and she and I had a fascinating conversation a couple months ago, and I am just so excited for her to share what she does and how she helps clients to just be a little more grounded. (laughs) So Zipporah, tell us, introduce yourself and tell us what you do. So nowadays, I say I'm a clairvoyant. Most days, I offer readings uh, online through Skype, and they're also energy healings. They're not only readings. You know, when you receive a reading, you're also receiving a healing. And I work with adults, with children. I work on animals. It's pretty much all over the board. I'm also a healer, meaning I also offer hands-on healing. And that, I say, is, you know, a reading on a cellular level. You know, if somebody's suffering from a dis-ease, a disease, it's easier to work with that person hands-on because you receive a lot more information. You can also watch how this person communicates with their body what really is going on, because every healing, the energy gets clear, sort of goes back to alignment. And then the next week, if I see the same person, I can tell where that negatively charged energy comes in or the self-destructive energy comes in. And then we can start to change that pattern because a disease, dis-ease in the body, usually it's negatively charged energy. So autoimmune diseases are self-destructive energy And there's all kinds of different ways that this happens, but it starts with thoughts and beliefs. It can start with past life energy. You know, there's a lot there, but with a hands-on healing, you can really shift the communication that this person's having with their body. So hands-on healing, clairvoyant readings, and readings, pretty much you can read anything that you can contain into a word or a sentence. So I do everything for my clients, uh, readings about career, relationships, the body, healing, real estate, (laughs) buying houses, which house to buy, which house not to buy, what's wrong with the house, when to buy the house. So all kinds of things like that. And then I'm also a teacher because with years of offering clairvoyant readings, I realized that what people really need is to learn about their energy body and how to heal themselves. So that's something that I've been doing for a while now is teaching that, teaching meditation and teaching about the energy body. And I do a little bit of shadow work with people and not with everyone. There are cases where people have to go deeper into their healing and that's what we call shadow energy. And there's energy there, but it's difficult to understand or see. And so that's where my art therapy comes in. I studied art therapy. So I sort of combine the art therapy and the healing and the reading to help with the shadow work that I do. So many things I want to go deeper on. (laughs) And then also when I lived in San Francisco, I used to do house clearings for people or in California. And that was really fun. And I learned a ton from doing that. And that was going to people's houses and clearing entities, negative energy, stuck energy. What I learned from that is that 
whatever's going on in the house is something or an energy that's communicating with the people who are living there. So there's always a connection. It's never about, I moved to this house and there's an energy here that's disturbing me. There's always a match with the person who's bought the house, who's living there. Even if it's, if I find energy from, you know, before the Great Depression or, you know, when that place was a mining town. So it's beautiful to see how, you know, you will attract a situation in order to help you heal. Wow. So that was amazing working with houses. I since I moved to France, I have done like two house clearings. You can imagine how many old houses. Oh my god, I, I can't even. And how much energy people are less open to it. So I haven't done as much here, but the things that I found so far are fascinating. So that helped me learn a lot about working with entities and beings and contracts and healing. You know, there's all these different layers to it. And then I worked with realtors. You can imagine for a while. I would go to the place, to the house that wouldn't sell and help with energy. And then they would be able to sell the house. Usually what that was connected to, not always, was that the person selling was still attached and didn't really want to let go. Even though mentally they were ready to let go, they were still too attached to the house. So it was difficult to sell it. Huh. Wow. That is fascinating. So house clearings, um, some shadow work, realtors. Um, I think that's about it. I mean, (laughs) but it's all connected. It's all about, you know, how we manifest as spiritual beings, spiritual, physical beings, and the connection between that greater part of us and the physical part of us and learning how to connect between those two so that they communicate in harmony. Because anytime there's dis-ease in the body, it's a disconnect in that communication because our bodies are amazing. They're constantly saying, hello, uh, there's a problem here. Are you listening? And so if you don't listen, if you override that, it just grows. That energy will grow and grow. And eventually you'll get slapped. And then you might listen or not. And then you might get a bigger slap until you wake up and you start to communicate. And so meditation is that. It's teaching you to communicate with your body. It's teaching to bridge that gap between your higher self and your physical self, your physicalness. Overall, I would say that I, I help my clients um, find clarity. Um, I give them support and validation on their path. Um, and that's really important to see them clearly. And I think that's what a clairvoyant does. You know, when I see someone, I'm seeing their true nature that allows them to heal. I'm not validating as much the parts that are not working for them. Even though many times we have to work through that and help them see that, but it's really about giving support and validation, which I think is what I needed as a child, which I didn't receive. And that's why my, my work sort of based on that and me being highly sensitive. And now, you know, I teach because I see how important it is because so many adults and children who are sensitive suffer. And I will talk more about that later. <laughs> oh my God. I love There's so many things. <laughs> I'm like, which direction do we go in first? Yeah, it's so fascinating. This work is so fascinating. You know, I was an artist for many years and people asked me, people who knew me for years were like, why aren't you painting anymore? Like, why did you give us up your art? Because I used to, you know, be in exhibitions and, and I was an artist. Uh, but I always knew that that was just part of my path. But people would ask me, why did you give it up? And I said, now I do something that's way more interesting it's like the, the art was just the basis. And now, you know, I'm creating my own language. I'm working with the infinite. 
So it's just, it, it gets better and better and better. There's no better than that. That's so cool. It's like you're co-creating in a different way. Wow. I love that. I love that. So I would first love just to hear how how you started to tap into this ability, this psychic ability and this clairvoyance, um, and then how you like fostered that gift. Yes, it is very interesting. And I think it definitely started when I was a young child. Um, I always say uh, my work came out of my pain, out of like deep pain and deep deep grief. The first, I think, like conscious awareness of God or the divine, and I don't even know if it was that conscious, but when I was a small, small child, I would sit outside with my dog and I would cry for hours and hours. And I would just say, I didn't even know I was talking to God or source, but I would just say, why, why, why? Because I didn't understand why there was so much pain and suffering around me. And I was such a happy child, but I was always like squashed because of all the heaviness. I grew up in a very dark energy. My parents are Holocaust survivors. You know, they lost a lot of loved ones. Uh, my, my dad lost a lot of his friends in the war. Uh, both my parents grew up without meeting their fathers. Their fathers died in the war before they even met them. They were very young babies. And so they survived the war, my father, by hiding for eight years in a wine cellar. My mom, you know, hid in the mountains with her grandma. And after jumping off a train and saving themselves, you know, my, I came into that not knowing, not understanding that generation. They don't want to really talk about it. But I knew as a child, as a sensitive child, that something was off, majorly off, like I could tell. And I just felt like, why does it always have to be sad? And, and there was a lot of emotional abuse and physical abuse. And, you know, it came out of that trauma on trauma. Because even after my parents moved um, to a safer place, my mother had miscarriages. She lost a child at nine months. She lost a, my brother who died at age seven. So it was just this trauma on trauma on trauma. And they never healed. So for me... My whole childhood was just trying to understand what was going on. And then I also, I grew up in, in South Africa during apartheid. So I had all this dark energy at home. And then I had all this suffering around me and not understanding, like, why are people treating each other this way? So my whole life was about trying to figure out why do people suffer? Why is there pain? You know, and so... That was my first awakening because I always say when you ask why or when you ask source a question, you always receive the answer, no matter you know how many years later it comes. Time, time is time is not a real concept in the divine. I feel like but it comes when you're ready. It comes in divine timing. That's why I say to people, you can work on healing for years, but the the aha moment or the shift can happen in a second because for spirit there is no time and space. So healing can happen right away, you know, in, in a matter of a second. Yeah. So when you say how I healed the generations of trauma, and I, I wanted to say that healing is a lifelong journey. And so I think that as you heal, you become more consciously aware and more present, and you can start to live a more, more joyous life, and you connect to the truth of who you are. That is the journey of life, is to find who you are before all of that stuff got loaded on you, before the programming, the ancestral trauma, the societal trauma, the tribal stuff, all of that. And so healing and meditation, we say it's, it's a process of subtraction. 
You subtract what is not you to get to the core of who you are. So every time you sit down to meditate, you're clearing layers and layers and layers. Every time you receive a healing, you're clearing. So at some point you realize, wow, you know, we call that a growth period. I'm not the person I was a few months ago. And then I would say, I mean, I was born in Israel. I grew up in South Africa during apartheid. Then I moved back to Israel when I was 18 and spent about nine years there. I then moved to California, which I call my true home because that's where most of my healing happened. Amazing. I could, I could not agree with you more. <laughs> I found myself fully. Um, and now I live in France and my healing journey continues here. Let me see. Yes. So you asked also how I found my gifts. Um, I, like I said, I was always sensitive. As a child, the way that I survived was through art. I would just through this imaginary world, I would say art for me was about soothing and healing. I, I lived, you know, I would be drawing and creating art everywhere in the house while everyone else was doing whatever they were doing. And that was my way of entering a different world, a different energy to the one that I lived in. That's where I found that peace. And then when I got older, um, I experimented with LSD when I lived in Israel in my 20s, and that's when I had another big awakening. And then when I moved to the U.S., that's when I, I was, because of all of that, you know, awakening, those awakenings, I started to have clear visions. So I started to see spirit more clearly. I would just feel things and see things. And I had a friend, a dear friend in California. I was with her one day, and we went to this park. We just went for a walk. And I said to her, whoa, I just saw horses and some children. And she was like, there are no horses and children here. What are you talking about? And then we walked around the property and we came to the, to the house and there was a plaque on the wall. And it said like in the 1800s, it was a stable and an orphanage. And that grabbed me and she was like, you need to develop your skills. Like you need to do something for this. So that was a moment of awakening. And then a bigger one was when I was a teacher, I'm a high school art teacher. And so I worked in California as an artist in residence and an art teacher. I started suffering from extreme migraines and I ended up in the hospital and they gave me something for it that was literally felt like heroin, not that I've ever tried heroin. But I, I went to school the next day and I was like, how am I supposed to teach kids like this? Like I was... That was a, a turning point for me because I, I said I realized that I needed to heal myself. And I said, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to heal myself. And so through meditation, through Qigong, I healed my migraines. And that started my journey into doing what I do now. I was still an art teacher and I started offering readings. I did some intuitive courses. But when, even when I was in those courses, there were people who had been there for 10 years and they still were trying to figure it out. And the minute I got there, I understood how my art practice and just having that other language prepared me for becoming a clairvoyant. Like it was just, I found home, like I knew I was supposed to do it. And then at the same time, I had a reading with a psychic for the first time. And she told me right away, like, you were an oracle in Delphi and this is what you should be doing. So it's so everything sort of lined up and I just went from there. Was there ever a moment of like, oh fuck, or like, <laughs> what is this? Like, like was there kind of a reckoning with the gifts at all? Like when you had the vision of like the horses and the children? No, I feel like, you know, it was always there. 
and I used to feel things, but I never got validated. And it was the first time that my friend who was very open, she validated me. And I think I really needed that because I, I it felt things and experienced things throughout my whole life, but I didn't understand what it was. And I thought I'm just different. And, you know, I was always an outsider my whole life. I always sort of, as an artist, looked at everything from the outside. I never really experienced life fully. And then once I healed, I was in it. And I could, you know, I could actually <laughs> use these gifts and help people. You know, that's my, my mission in life is to help because I think also because of I could never help my family, even though that brings me to, you know, what you asked about healing. When you heal yourself, you heal your ancestors because healing involves including all the souls in your family as part of the family and forgiving those that have wronged you. That's part of healing is forgiveness. And then once you change yourself to the core, once you heal, automatically you change the karma because you have uh, an agreement with people in your family. So once you say, I'm not playing this game with you anymore and you heal, then they're left to have to change you know, at their own capacity or in their own capacity, because everyone shifts. And, and even my parents, they've shifted a lot where, you know, I didn't even think that was possible. As you heal, that ripples down into your family and your ancestors. And then the, the, the more you heal, the more you raise your vibration, the more you can support and love them unconditionally. And then you can start to see who they really are, you can start to love them for who they are and not get triggered by their shadow. Because that's what happens to people. We get stuck on what's not working and we, we get stuck on the shadow versus saying, this is a whole person, there's so much more to them. But you can't do that when you haven't worked your own shadow because then there's always that match. It's always going to trigger, especially in intimate relationships, especially with family. But once you do your own work, then you have that unconditional love for yourself. Then you can have that unconditional love for others. And they don't have to change for you to love them. They can be stuck in their shadow. You can hope that they will for them to stop suffering. But if they don't, it's okay because you can still love them and have compassion for them and love them unconditionally. So that's the beauty of, of healing. I call it the shadow dovetail. It's like we're both like when your two shadows are talking to each other and everyone's getting upset <laughs> and there's just no movement being made. And it's like, oh, it's just our shadows. <laughs> They're just fighting each other. Yeah. And I think if you can get to that point of saying it's if you get to the point of saying that, that means that you've meditated enough to create some space because meditation gives you that space to actually see what's happening where, it's, where you're not, you're not in it where it doesn't completely take over you. And the more you meditate, the more space you create to say, oh, that's just me having my physical experience. <laughs> you can laugh at yourself and you're not like in the drama of it. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's go back to Berkeley. You're in Berkeley. In this school, you are like translating this psychic education easily with your artistic background. Tell us about how you started doing hands-on healing. So hands-on healing too, I felt like I had some kind of block with my own body and, you know, the trauma in my body because it takes years to get that trauma out of the body, especially if there's physical abuse and, you know, you protect yourself, you know, with your body. So and so I felt that the only way that I could really work through that energy was to learn how to use my body to heal others. 
And that's really what happened. I did a course for hands-on healing and then it, it's very basic. And then you sort of build your own language. It's like I teach clairvoyance and I tell my students, I'm giving you the structure, but the rest is you building your language because it takes years to translate, like you said, what you're receiving because you'll see something and then you'll be like, what is that? And then you'll see it again with somebody else and be like, ah, and then the light bulb will go off and you'll be like, okay, that's what it is. And then as soon as that happens, you get another layer or another validation. Even after 10 years, I was like, I'm still a baby psychic. Now it's been 15 years. I feel like I'm over that. But it does take a long time for you to feel like you've created a language. And, and it's different for everyone. That's why it's not something you can teach. It's like you just have to... I think my students like the way I teach because I tell them that they need to create their own language, but I also give them the tools to stay grounded and I support them and I validate them in order to do their work. And I also see them clearly. That's part of, of that to say, haha, this is working for you. This is who you are. That's so cool. So how have, how have you seen students have different gifts come online? Yes. So, so people receive information in different ways. The beauty in teaching a class is that they get to see that everyone's different. They get validated because they see the same thing, but in a different way. So it's so helpful for them to be in a group and to support each other as well. I see that gift in people. So it's obviously not for everyone, but people are more aligned with it. I have some clients who fight that. I've had clients for 15 years who fight it. And I tell them in their first reading, like, you should be doing the spiritual work like full time. But they, you know, they're stuck in their day job and making a lot of money and academia and whatever it is. And I tell them, ah, you know, and eventually they get there. <laughs> they're like, oh, you said this like years ago. And I was like, yep. <laughs> Here you are. <laughs> yeah, some people are more aligned with that. It's, it's just their path. That's so cool. So I'm assuming like some people are very, I mean, there's so many different ones, like clairaudient, clairvoyant, clairsentient. I don't know all the clairs, but I know there are a ton of them. So I'm guessing that students are finding or getting curious about like what their way of communicating with spirit is that. Yeah, I would say, you know, the reason we use clairvoyance is because it's, it's a way to contain the energy. It's very grounded. And you're out of your emotional centers, you're up here. And so think of it as like you have your mind and then you have your mind's eye. What happens to people, the mind controls them. But once you use your third eye, it's your spiritual vision, then the mind is still there. You can use it, but it doesn't control you. You, you have that seniority in, in your third eye, in your spiritual vision. You're running the show from your higher self versus your emotions. And so even though people can be clairsentient, they learn to bring it up here. Because if you're constantly feeling what your client's feeling, it can be really uncomfortable. So going into the vision of it, you know, learning to contain the energy and then visualizing it really helps. And then once they're anchored, because I think it's more about teaching them to be anchored and grounded and heal themselves, because if the container is not feeling good, you're not going to be able to receive the information. So your healing is number one. And that happens, you know, with, within the process, you know, when your body is not happy, you're not connected, you know, you'll check out your soul, your higher self will be like, I'm out of here. I don't want to be in a body that is anxious or, or in fear or in pain. And so the first part of meditation is learning to 
get to that place of peace within is clear out whatever's not you. You have what it takes to process your own information, but not things that you take on that are not yours. So once they learn that, once they have that to some capacity, they know how to work the energy of the space they live in or work in, their home, their environment, their reality. Once they have that under control, then they can start to practice using their third eye. So it's all going... It's all going kind of to the to the crown chakra, to the mind's eye. To the spiritual vision, yeah. You're not reading from your emotions or from the, the feelings, yeah, which can be too much. And that's why it's important to, or from your mind or your ego. That's why it's a practice. It's a skill. The more you do it, the better you get at it. But it's also because our bodies, they, they get stuck in habit. So you sort of, it's same with healing. You have to change that the habit of the body. You have to show it a different way. And then it takes a little bit of practice because first it might take you an hour to really start to meditate. But once you do it for a while, it takes you five minutes to get into that different state of consciousness. It's like with reading. When you start reading, it'll take years for you to get used to being in a different state. But once you have it, I can go from talking to my daughter to being in a reading space in a matter of a minute. But it's just because that space is expanded enough, just like with your sacred space within, your spiritual self. The more you spend time there, the bigger it is, the easier it is for you to go in there. I love that. This <laughs> It's funny because so I'm, I'm a coach. I help people with money mindset and shadow work. And so much of what you're saying is like literally the road to also just being a coach. And I'm like, maybe there's some psychic abilities tied into this that I'm not like allowing to see. And I feel like with clients, I can feel like a wall of feelings like coming towards me. And it's, I have to be so empty as a vessel to like feel it coming in and then feel like, like letting it go. So I love this idea of like just allowing the third eye, the spiritual eye to honor it and then not take it on. I feel like that is like the biggest the biggest challenge as a coach is like just to be this like container. Yeah. Separate. But I would even say it less as a container and more just holding space for them. Because if you're a container, you're taking it on. Right. Exactly. You don't want to take it on. But you can learn to, you can learn to set those boundaries. And once you practice those boundaries, they'll be built into you. You won't have to like consciously put them there. That's the beauty of, of the practice is you get to imagine it with your mind's eye, with your third eye, because your third eye is your imagination. You know, and imagination is reality to spirit. So when you use that part of yourself, it just becomes something that you do with your eyes open. It's just a part of you. It's a part of your life. And so for sure, and what you said, it's, it's true. I help my clients who have studied other healing modalities. And they always tell me, why don't they teach this? This is so important. This the how to ground, how to protect yourself how to, what to do with their energy, what to do with your energy. And I think the more you meditate, the more you learn, you know, what's mine and what's not mine. Once you have that down, their stuff won't come in because you'll know, oh, it's not mine. You know your energy so well that you, that you know it's not your energy. And that's really important. That's so beautiful. I love that. Um, okay. So then you also talked about shadow work. And the the home clearings. Home clearings was literally my like inroad to spirituality. I like read a Karen Kingston book about feng shui, and she talks about home clearings. And I, 
all of a sudden I'm like clearing my home and like making holy water and like doing all this stuff. So I love that that I love that that is part of your or part of the beginning of your practice and what you're still doing now. But I am curious, like what do you do for shadow work with clients? Shadow work comes up all the time, you know. So if it's something that they're ready to clear, you know, it's cleared. I always say you know, and this happens in readings to my students too, when, when you see something bad, like how do you tell someone? And I t- Or something negative, and I say there is no negative. Shadow energy is energy that you haven't unraveled yet. So it's actually good because that's where all your gifts lie. So bringing that into the light is what's going to help you see who you are or see your gift. And so just like with how I'm connecting it to the house clearings, everything that comes to you is a gift because Every experience is trying to say, hey, it's time for you to deal with this thing. And so shadow energy too, sometimes a person's not ready to go that deep. You might see it, but they might not be there. But when I find someone who has something and they can feel and they can see it, but I also feel that they need to get to know themselves in a deeper way. You know, when somebody's an artist, it's easier because they've already, they know who they are. They've done that you know, they've created an external container to dialogue with who they are. They've taken it out, but some people haven't taken it out. So it's still in. And so that's why I thought that art therapy really works for that. I can do it with anyone, but the more artistic types, it's easier for them. You don't have to be an artist to do the shadow work. I use Jung's um, alchemical process for it. So I take people through nine weeks Each week has to do with one chakra and one element. You use the elements as well. I might give the client something to read from Jung. It's just to give them something to ground it. But what they have to do is they have to create what we call the first matter. They have to create something. It can be out of any medium, whatever they're comfortable with, sculpture, painting, drawing, photography. And they have to put those feelings that they can't really grasp, that they know are there, that's that's uncomfortable and not great. Put it in there, whatever that is. And then every week we meet and we talk about the first week we look at it and then they have to take it through the process of fire or water or earth or air. And then they do that at home. And so, and then they, when we meet, it's just to read the work and then they'll receive a healing or a reading. They get, they get to see what's coming out of that. Like, who am I? What am I not looking at? So I think I don't do that often, but when I do it, it's really powerful with clients. They can have like their pipes at home explode. Things happen like in their life when they're experiencing the chemical process. But again, it's not for everyone, but it works. Damn. Talk about going deep, just facing it directly. I love that. And that's the beauty of art is that, oh, even writing you know, is when it's inside you, you can't understand it. You don't know what it is. But once you put it over here, first of all, you're taking it out of your space. Good first step. You're separating from it. Then you get to look at it and dialogue with it. And you're containing it. It's not taking over you. It's not causing havoc. You're containing it. So it's over here and it's, it's contained. So now that's already a big step of like, oh God, okay. And I'm, and you're giving it attention because what is shadow energy? It's those parts of you that need attention. It's energy that is saying, hello, help me. And it's been saying that for years. And you, you're, instead of going through it, you're going around it. So it's growing and growing and growing until it slaps you. 
And then when you go in, you see, oh, there's pain here. There's grief. There's this trauma. There's this negatively charged. There's just me beating myself up. Oh, there's my grandmother's trauma. Part of the healing is, or discovering yourself, seeing yourself clearly, is undoing the muck that you don't have clarity about. (laughs) You got to make it known, and then you got to address it. I love that. That sounds so cool. That sounds like such a fun process. I just thought that would be great to use art for because it's easier. Wow. I love that. I love it. And it's so creative. You also keep using the word sensitive, which I love because I've got, I mean, I consider myself as a very sensitive person. And I've always, I always thought that it was too, I was too sensitive. And now I'm realizing I am just enough sensitive. And that is like literally my superpower. But I'd love to hear you talk about kind of the role of sensitive people in our society and and what that can lead to. Like, why is that our superpower? Children and adults that don't develop that part of themselves or validate it, they, they suffer. They become ill. So just an example, I had a friend here last weekend and she has two boys and one, they're literally opposites. One is very in the physical has no problem socially, physically, da, da, da. The other one, very sensitive, has a lot of trouble. And I was trying to explain to her that he, he needs to anchor into his divine self because that's his gift. You know, once he anchors into his connection with source, with the divine, then he'll feel good. He'll have a sense of self. He'll know who he is. And then he'll understand what his role is here. But as long as he doesn't have that, he's weak. He doesn't feel strong. He doesn't know who he is. So that's number one. Um, But what happens is usually sensitives will overprotect. They will go into fear. They will go into anxiety because the mind will start controlling them. You know, because of the, the, they get overload. You can also suffer from migraines like I did. Migraines is when there's too much information and it sort of just ends up here and your body doesn't know what to do with it. Your body is going to be like red alert, red alert, red alert, but you don't know how to let go. You haven't learned how to flush that energy out. And so that's what happens. And so when, when you understand that the first step is understanding that your strengths are in, in this lifetime come from your higher self, not your physical story of who you are here, even though they connect. Once you anchor into your higher self, then you can start to really live a good life. You asked me, you know, if there's anything I want to share, it's that, that the reason I teach is because it's so important to know and understand who we are as beings. You know, that's where all suffering comes from. To help people connect to their power and their self-healing abilities to know and understand our energy bodies should be taught in school. It's like we know only half of ourselves. Of course, we're going to get sick. We don't know the other half. It's like being disconnected from half of yourself, our connection to source, our power. So that's sort of my mission is to teach more about it because I see how sensitive children and adults suffer because they're not anchored into their true nature of who they are, their purpose, their gifts, their strengths lie in their connection to who they are and using their chakras and knowing how to heal themselves. Yeah, and learning how to bridge that gap. So I think that's so, so important. If you don't have that understanding of who you are, you suffer. Your gifts become your weaknesses. You don't want to leave the house. It becomes too overwhelming, the input, the, you know, and that's what I teach in my class is is that, how to work with your energy, how to protect your energy, how to stay grounded. That's the basis. 
and and for healing like if if i get someone who's who's been ill for 30 years with a disease um and they've tried everything then i tell them you know you've tried from a limited point of view you've tried from this reality of time and space but once you connect with your higher self then it's unlimited unlimited possibilities of ways that you can heal and also you know the the support and the love from your higher self and from source so that's the missing link for them and there's no competition that's the beauty that's what i used to teach as an art teacher there's no competition in art i used to tell the kids but there's no competition in in being a healer being a reader being a sensitive because we're all unique so you have your imprint you have your you know what you're here to do that's the beauty i love that that is the beauty. <laughs> it's the beauty and the power. I think that that's so beautiful. I hope that anyone who's listening that's very sensitive is just realizing <laughs> that it is their superpower. It is a gift to this world. We all need it. And connection to source will help. I love that. You just have to learn uh, how to create a life that supports who you are. And that is physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And, and sensitives, you know, um, I think you, you talked about anxiety when we spoke and that's very much related because it's a third chakra issue, you know, third chakra is where we connect to our astral body. And so a lot of sensitives, they don't have that. They, they, they haven't consciously connected. And so it affects their sleep. It affects their, their digestion. It, but the third chakra is about your, it's your personal power. It's where, how much energy do I have? And where do I put it? What do I give it to? And learning to manage that. So for sensitives, it's all about boundaries. It's all about, I, I come first. Third chakra is we call it the commitment to the body. So that's a first step. If, uh, I commit first to my body and to me as a spiritual being. That's third chakra. And then when you are number one, then it's okay for you to cancel last minute, say that you can't go. And, you know, because you understand that you come first and that that's where your power lies, is, is in your energy. So if you're using your energy to protect yourself or you're letting too much other energy in, you're going to suffer. Well, let's talk a little bit about anxiety because that was like one of the aha moments of when we spoke um, a few months ago. Of what, You said something like anxiety is just your mind and your body not being like it's in two different places. Like your mind is in the future. Your mind is in a, a non-reality, <laughs> fighting reality. And your body is like, hey, get back here. So I'd love to hear you talk about how anxiety manifests in the body, what it is, how you help clients really get back to reality or present. To this, to present time. Yeah. I would say that anxiety is like fear. It's an instinctual response. So, because your body is always looking out for you. When you leave your body, when you have a thought, when you're trying to solve a problem that's not in present time, like when you get stuck on, should I go on this trip next month or not? And am I going to be okay? And da, da, da. if you get stuck there for too long, your body's going to be like, hello, where'd you go? I need to eat. I need to sleep. Can you come back here and take care of me? So the way the body responds is through what, however it communicates to you, you know, and that can be, can feel differently for different people but it usually manifests as anxiety or fear or something's not right like what's going on um if somebody goes to a bar and they feel anxious it's that you know it's looking at what am i thinking right now and that's why before you go out it's really important to like set your crown or to say you know i'm going out 
grounded, connected. This is the energy that I'm putting out versus just going and some of your energies at home and some of your energies in yesterday's argument and some, you know, so grounding helps with that. But just understanding that anxiety is your body communicating to you that you have to come back and listen. When, when you leave your body, it calls you back. It's your body's guidance system. It alerts you that you've left present time. So it's always about where is my attention? Because wherever your attention is, is where your energy is. So if you're thinking about, if you're stuck in something that happened 20 years ago, you're going to be exhausted because you're draining all your energy there. And you might have anxiety in present time because you're not fully present. So you're more likely to get attacked or trip or fall. Working with grounding and meditation helps you come back fully into present time. It's, it's a third chakra thing. It's about the commitment to the body. It's about where am I putting my energy? What am I giving my energy to? And coming back within. And so for sensitives or people who suffer from that, it's really important to create a daily structure or routine that supports who they are, that keeps them very grounded. So all about, you know, taking breaks, eating, food is very grounding, going into nature, making sure that you're not working a nine to five job where you don't have a break because what happens then is that you're not in your body. And so it'll take you way longer to come back in because your attention is somewhere else all day for eight hours. The same chakra and then people have a hard time falling asleep or sleeping well or because their body didn't get the message that it's okay to relax, I'm here, I'm grounded, I'm back. So it's about the communication, but third chakra is all, we call it reality. It's all about the reality. What kind of reality are you living in? So if you're a sensitive, you're not going to live in a place that's dangerous because, you know, you're, it's, it's going to affect you. You're going to feel <laughs> big time. You're going to feel everything. So I'm hearing a lot about meditation and I'm curious if you have any suggestions, tips, thoughts for someone that has resistance towards meditation? Because I hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's a reason for that. Um, a lot of people are hard on themselves and they're like, oh, you know, I, I try and I can't. And I, and I tell them, it's not your fault. <laughs> because what happens is that energy gets collected between you and your body. So there's all different types of energy. Sometimes people will try to meditate and they'll fall asleep. It's what we call unconscious energy. You'll get kicked out of your body. I've had meditation classes where people had to take the same class like a few times because they would sleep through the session. <laughs> but it's, it's, not, it's because they're trying to come in, but they're getting kicked out because there's energy that hasn't been resolved. Unconscious energy just means that you experience things at some point in your life that you didn't understand. It's a survival mechanism. So you checked out. So now you have to come back in. But the more you sit, the more you come back in because it's not about you. It's about your higher self. So if you just sit on a chair for five, 10 minutes every day and don't, don't say I'm going to meditate, just say I'm going to sit. And you go and you sit for five minutes, you're already working through some energy. So a lot, and a lot of people are really busy and the, their energy scattered. There's a lot of those, you know, that have, businesses or you know organizations that you know they try to meditate but they can't because their energy is everywhere the class that i teach it, it teaches you to collect your energy and bring it in you know and the practice is what teaches you because your body's smart 
you know, it, it, it'll keep doing what it always does. But if you say, no, come back over here, come back over here, come eventually it'll get it and be like, oh, yeah, this is what I have to do. And so don't be hard on yourself if you can't meditate. Just keep trying, keep sitting, because every time you sit, even if you're falling asleep, there's your, your higher self is still working the energy. You're still clearing. You're still getting more present. So you're just working through the layers. Don't give up. <laughs> Don't give up. <laughs> yeah, find something that works for you. Because a lot of people have a lot of pain in their body. So they actually cannot sit and meditate. And the first step for that is starting with something like a meditative movement, like Qigong, Tai Chi, uh, yoga at times, if you're not doing it in a group and getting distracted. There are steps you can take. You know, when I started meditating, I couldn't sit in, in, on a chair. I would be in so much pain. I would have to walk and like move, but eventually I worked through it because I showed up and I sat. I love that. I love the idea of energy movement practices to get to meditation. It's a good start because what you're doing then is that's why Qigong and Tai Chi are good because you have the same set structure that you're doing every time. What happens then is when you're practicing, you can notice when you go and you can gently bring yourself back. But you don't have to worry about the movements because you already know them. So you're focused on where am I? Breathing, you go, you come back. You go, you come back. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a process. But it's a good way to to start for sure. It's very inspiring. Working with clients and just um, starting this personal development path, like everyone I talk to complains about meditation. <laughs> everyone. And my mom was talking to me recently about like, oh, I know I should meditate. I just like don't make time for it. And I'm like, well, it could be the like easiest one single thing that you do that will help you. Yeah. And it's really, it's real. You People cannot meditate because we're too distracted. So you have to start with like walking meditation, going for a walk every day in nature and just breathing and just like receiving that energy. So there's steps. It's not easy because we have so much shit, excuse my French, in our space energetically. And so when we try to come and say hello to our bodies, we can't. It's not possible. We have to move through all that energy. The first thing we do, I do with my students is I, I say, you know, say hello to your body. Wow, what a concept, you know. Hi, body. I see you. You're here. I'm here. I'm hello. Here. <laughs> nice to meet you for literally the first time. <laughs> So good. Yeah, but yeah, just just understanding that meditation is just you talking to yourself, but in that quiet space within. You know, meditation happens in the heart chakra. It's your higher self through the upper chakras communicating with the physical you from the lower chakras. This is where they communicate in the heart. And we say the spirit of the heart is stillness. You can't hear your heart in the noise. So even just sitting in stillness every day without having an agenda will eventually something will happen. It's just showing up every day, not having any expectations, but just being quiet for a little bit helps you to start to hear that inner communication. I love that being quiet while not being hard on yourself for not meditating. It's beautiful. Yeah. Because then you're just yeah. <laughs> you're just being Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so good. Well this has been Amazing. I'm curious if you have anything else that you'd like to share with us. Uh, yeah, I think we we pretty much talked about everything. Um, I could talk more about healing. I mean, forever. I think that 
you know, I've seen amazing things happen for my clients and it's just about creating a safe, sacred space. It's about holding space for others, validating them, showing up, you know, we need that. We need that connection in order to heal. I love that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I'm so inspired by your work. It is just so cool to hear you talk about it. I love the way that you frame your psychic work to help give people clarity. I've just never heard it described like that. So it really resonated with me and just seemed like, yeah, duh, we should all be working with psychics and intuitives because I, or clairvoyance because I feel like <laughs> there's a lot of healing there. Yeah. I mean, people use it for different things. I do have clients who get regular sessions to figure out, you know, everything that's going on in their life. And uh, sometimes I have to be hard on them and be like, no, don't ask that. And they know, they're like, I know you're going to have to like this question. I'm like, do Next. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> but I think the beauty of energy work is that it, simplif it simplifies everything. We don't get stuck in the stories and the dramas. It's just like you're looking at energy and that's it, you know? It's, it's it's confusion or love <laughs> so I think that's that's why I love this work it's also with hands-on healing it's either energy that is a lie to you or the truth the, the lie feel doesn't feel good because it's not you you need to get rid of it and the truth is energy that is yours that is love and and the fun of reading because it's you know you you show up you set an intention you ask a question and the answer shows up. So it's just like, this is what I see. It's very clear. It's, it, that's what it is. You can't, you know, try to manipulate it or change it or anything. It just is what it is. And, and the beauty of it being in the present moment. Because people can get caught up on like, I have to heal this and this and this. And there's so many layers. And it's like, don't worry. You come for a healing or a reading. And your higher self will show you exactly what step you're on. This is what you're working on right now. Yes, you want to be working on this, or maybe that's your next step, but you can't get there without working on this. And so I like that order, and I think being a teacher comes in there for me. Just, you know, the order of things and the structure of it allows us to focus the confusion mm. that we live in. I love that. That's so cool. Um, well, if someone is interested in getting in touch with you, following along with your work, how can they find you? I have a website. So just send me an email and I'm happy to help you. I am, this has been years in the making. I'm working on my website with my assistant to get, you know, a student page and my workshops on there because I have a ton of workshops that I've recorded. But, you know, so that's happening. But my website is up all the time just with regular information. If you want to get hands-on healing, you have to come to France. I do have a student who offers it that I taught in, in Berkeley but other and other students that are learning that now. I offer healings and readings over Skype, and um, I teach a clairvoyant class twice a month regularly. But now I will be teaching meditation again and energy healing in September, which I haven't done in years. Uh, my students asked me to teach it again, so I, there's a class happening first week of September. So if anyone wants to join that, the more the merrier. <laughs> Amazing. And what is your website? It is my first name and my second name, ziporakrupnik.com. T-Z-I-P-O-R-A-K-R-U-P-N-I-K. ziporakrupnik.com. Yes. <laughs> 
Perfect. Thank you so much. And um, okay, so Zipporah is giving away a free reading. Do you want to tell us about it? Sure. Um, I always start with everything I do with a 90-minute reading because it's a good way to get an overall picture of what is going on with someone. And it's, of course, it's also a healing. And the first part is we get a theme for whatever's going on, whatever you're working on in present time, an overall picture. And then I go through all your chakras and, and you receive a healing and we talk about everything. And that I do that so that I can see you very clearly to answer questions. Because once I've done all of that, I can really see you clearly in what you're working on. And then the last part of the reading is just you get to ask questions about anything that came up in the reading or pretty much anything. As long as we can contain it into a word or sentence, we can read it. <laughs> and it's, you know, we can read other people as long as they're connected to you. It's ethical for us to look at their energy. If they don't want to be read, they will let us know. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> so good. So if you're interested in this giveaway, which I think is huge, I'm so excited about it. To enter to win, submit your email by June 30th. That's next Wednesday. And the winner will be announced the following week on the podcast, which will be on July 7th. To enter, visit sarahcohan.com slash giveaway and submit your email. The website is sarahcohan, S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash giveaway. Or you can click the link below. And thank you so much, support for this amazing gift. I think it's really, really cool. Thank you so much. It was amazing being here. And I'm always happy to talk about what I do because we need it. We need to be more aware and teach as much as possible. <laughs> 100%. Thank you for your work. And thank you so, so, so much for this conversation. It's been oh, so fun. Thank you. And I'm always open to questions. If anyone just has a question, you feel free to email me. I'm Amazing. Amazing. Hands on. I love that. Um, All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. You never know. And of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. Until next week, visit sarahcohan.com, that's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com to find other podcast episodes. And you can find Lit AF on Instagram at It's Me, Sarah Cohan, and you can also find me on Clubhouse. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, Lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week. <laughs>